Front office, please hold. And welcome to the St. Patrick's Day version of the Front Office Podcast. Oh, we got a good show for you all tonight. How was that, fellas? How was that? How was that? I, you know what? Could have swore I was in the Emerald Isle. <laughs> <laughs> your, your vein, you know what courses through your veins right now? Lucky Charms. Yes, or or frosted flakes, uh, based on our <laughs> based on our bet last week. They're um, great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, what's going on, fellas? And welcome back, everybody, to another edition of your favorite podcast to listen to, the Front Office Podcast. Um, we actually postponed our show so that way we could have a authentic St. Patrick's Day version of the Front Office show tonight. So. Everybody get your Irish on, wear a green shirt, drink some pints, and uh, kick back and, and listen to us three idiots gab on for about an hour. Um, so, yeah, fellas, just a recap of last week. So, um, you know, going into our weekly wager, the losing streak continues for, uh, for Big Haas. Unfortunately, I lost by two one-hundredths of a second in the 40-yard dash times between Clemson <laughs> and Arkansas. <laughs> Kevin and I were talking. I thought I had a chance when, when Mr. Etienne ran a 4-4 flat and uh, came up just short. But, uh, again, you know, one of those things that definitely not as bad as a bowl of, uh, of mac and cheese. So um, I will <laughs> gladly eat my Frosted Flakes throughout the entire show tonight. And uh, and move on to the next one. So that being soggy. <laughs> oh, yeah. you are dark. So that being said, before we move on to this week's weekly wager for you two guys, I, I want to bring out an anniversary that is unknown to a lot of people around the world, but actually is very prominent in all of our lives, and that's a Kevapalooza anniversary. Oh, snap. <laughs> and if you guys don't know how many years it's been since the inaugural Kevapalooza, it has been 14 years since oh, the inaugural Kevapalooza. Kevin, happy anniversary, buddy. Thanks, man. I still got the scars on my hand to prove it. <laughs> I still have the t-shirt. <laughs> oh, my, my God. My wife wears the t-shirt to bed sometimes. <laughs> okay. So, so here's what we have to do. Whenever we do our first live show or whatever it is, you guys have to bring those shirts because that is reminiscent of one of the best nights, I think, of all of our lives, oh, yeah, good and was, bad. That was a historic night, man. It was good. <laughs> it was good. Let's not go into too much detail. No, but, no, no, no. We won't but it was into, good. It was good. It was It was very good. Young men being young men. And, uh, and you guys just, were sort of re-releasing me out into the wild. It was, it was great. Well, 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 well that's, that's what exactly I was going to say. I was going to say, th that is the blueprint that kids need to look at right now. When your boy is no longer with the one that we do not speak of, yes. you throw a party. And we all have <laughs> the one that we do not speak of. I have one. Kev, we all have one. one. We Jen, all have, you have one. one. We all have one that we just do not speak of. And for good reason. <laughs> for good reason. But Well, uh, you also don't want to get flicked in the nuts. No, exactly. 
I believe we called it being biffed. So we don't want to be biffed. Because a flick would not suffice. You had to be biffed right in the test. Oh, yeah. Biffing right in the donuts. Anyways, happy anniversary, Kev. I was thinking about that all day today. What a what a great time and what a great spur of the moment celebration that we that we put together for uh, for that evening. That you know, was, it's uh, awesome. fourteen was, years in the making, but I feel I owe an apology to your front window. Um, I also <laughs> owe an apology to anyone I encountered in the twenty-four hour time frame. I was in a different time in my life fourteen years ago on yeah. that evening. First you of all, you should you should you should, you should probably. Uh, Apologize to those nurses <laughs> who tried to help you with your hand. Yeah. Like, oh, leave me alone. I apologize to the uh, the large amount of women's footwear that was in Kyle's front. Oh my god, that was as awful. the best source of uh, sopping up the uh, blood. Like we're talking two hundred dollar pairs of shoes, and you're just gushing blood all over them, not even realizing that you're bleeding. Now, yeah, for, the, yeah. for the record, just just to throw that out there, um, that window that window was talking shit first. It was, it was, uh, you know what? It, and it, it was sure, really slippery because sure. it was just snowing, and I had I had the the slipperiest of shoes on, and I had fallen. And what you see happen, Kyle, was the door <laughs> the door was coming back this way, and and when I slipped, because you know it's been snowing and it's oh. been very wet in that front office. <laughs> the, the, the fact yep. that you that, that that you like had actually rehearsed that coming up the stairs to explain what had happened was impressive considering how intoxicated you were. I'm but, pretty certain yo, Ty Dog was helping me come up with the story. Yo, Kev, <laughs> I swear what you just described was the Caucasian version of see what ha- happened was. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, what happened was. <laughs> oh, man. What oh, a great gosh. time. What a great time. We'll have to... Uh, you know, when the kids are all old enough where they don't need us around all the time, we'll have to go out and, and celebrate Keva Palooza on its, you know, 20 or 25 well, years. Next year is the 15th anniversary. And I'm thinking about maybe I just divorced my wife just for the night. Just for the night. <laughs> we get an official Keva Palooza. Get, get, get a temporary restraining order. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm, sure, I'm certain she'd be very happy to apply just for the night. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Just so but... I can go out and we can all have an excuse to act absolutely silly. That's cool. oh my god! All right, so moving on, um, we're up to this week's weird weekly wager, and luckily I am taking a back seat this week, so I don't have to worry about extending my losing streak. And so, regroup, refocus. Yes, I got, I got to refocus and regroup. So Kevin, Jet, you guys are up. So maybe what I'll do is Jet, you can set what you guys will bet on, and Kev, you will name the parameters of the bet. Oh shit! I don't even know. March Madness is coming up here, Jet. That is true. Oh, I haven't been paying attention, man. I've been so lost right now. Um, <laughs> well, that makes two of us. So <laughs> well, that, perfect make, to that makes it even better. Yeah. yeah. So let's ne- take a look at uh, opening uh, round matches here. Okay. Um, I think I think what would make it. Do we, man, I don't know. I was gonna say like maybe we we look at one of the brackets and. Look at an eight seed and a nine seed because yeah, I was going to say LSU and St. Bonaventure, which of course okay, I'm I'm down with that. Okay, I'm down with that. Sure. All right. So what 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 are the what are the uh, what are the stakes? What are the Omaha stakes? 
<laughs> well, I've already made what fifteen dollars off of you for a large pizza. Yes. Previous wager, so uh, yeah. it's it's only fair I give you a chance to win your money back via food. Um, so we did pizza last time. My frosted flakes are ridiculously soggy, by the way. <laughs> I told you, man. <laughs> those things, those things are freaking. They soak up quicker than SpongeBob, this, this man. Is like eating, this Somebody is like drink eat, my Coke out of the cooler. This is like eating cardboard with sugar on it. Yeah. <laughs> well, so I won't be sending you a box of Frosted Flakes based on that. <laughs> uh, analogy, but how about uh, how about we go a shawarma? Loser buys the uh, winner. Oh, loser buys shawarma. Yeah, I'm cool with that. Okay. All right, I'm cool with that. All I'm right. Cool. Okay. So we have the Saint Bonaventure versus LSU. March Madness matchup for a shawarma between Kevin Jett. Put it on the board. Okay, so you're taking St. Bonaventure? Oh, yeah, I will now with those odds. Now that you let me, let me set that for sure. So you got to win by two. With LSU? Yeah. Well, I just noticed that Shaq's son is out, which kind of sucks. <laughs> the, the chance for you to uh renege on this is, is gone okay so oh, whatever all right kev st bonaventure jethro lsu now we can put it on the board lsu hey. minus one and a half hey you know why i'm gonna win this bet because lsu is in louisiana show <laughs> a lot of haitians in louisiana show <laughs> and my boy travis etienne came through for me show so I'm going to go with LSU. You're here now. <laughs> LSU going to pull that out for me. So I mean, you're always in the house. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down. I'm down. I'm down. Okay. LSU has to win by two or more, right? Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. I'm all right with that. Cool. So moving on. Uh, interesting topic that I, that I came across this week that you know, I, I wanted to bring up. And something happened yesterday that's very monumental in two different sports, but it revolves around one person. Mm-hmm. So LeBron James, LeBron everybody James. knows who LeBron James is across the globe, right? Mm-hmm. LeBron Ooh. James and his business partner, Maverick Carter, just partnered up with Fenway Sports yep. and now are part owners of the Boston Red Sox. Yep. God damn. So LeBron James now has stakes in ownership of both Liverpool FC as well as the Boston Red Sox. Is That's LeBron James yeah, is LeBron James on track to be the wealthiest athlete in the world post playing? I I think I think I think mm, I don't know because the, that that jump man is everywhere. Mm-hmm. That jump man is ever he's he's definitely on his way because he's owning like assets, you know, like parts. And I do understand that Jordan owns part of was it the Bobcats or Hornets, I think. Sorry. Yeah, he's the majority owner of the Hornets. He's the majority owner there. Uh they suck, but he's the majority owner there. <laughs> but 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 to own to own part of Liverpool, which is in the EPL, which good God, they make a lot of money. And they're pretty now you got yeah. You got one of the most storied franchises in baseball. Mm-hmm. And I, I have a good feeling that once he's done playing basketball, like he'll be a minority owner of some team or part owner or something. I wouldn't be surprised if he 
despise the Cavaliers. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's true. See, going back to Akron, right? So because again, he's got the the assets, like you're saying, he's got the the collateral, but imagine he sells the stakes that he owns at the time with yeah. the Sox, Liverpool, and all of his other franchises and puts that into being the sole owner of Cleveland Cavaliers. That's crazy. Like, I mean, he moved to LA because of the potential for post play. Career, yep. right? He well, has a media company too, smart, right? Yeah. He has a media and he's company. the new Space Jam guy. Well, because he had started off with that with that cartoon there, uh uh Littlefoot, Bigfoot, something like that. Like it was yeah. I, I watched it with the kids. Yeah. Um I forget what it's called, but anyway, that's his movie. And yeah. then, like you said, now he's redoing Space Jam. I think, Kyle, to bring back to your point, I think he is well on his way also because he's younger. Then, like, I know Jordan made a lot of money while he was playing with Jor- with the Jordan brand and all that stuff. But the fact that you're still playing yeah. and you're part owner of these different teams. And not just, and, not just teams, large volume. Oh, yeah, teams. yeah. Large volume teams. And, like, you own a media company. Like, that's that's massive. Yeah. So... Man, he, he's on his way. I just think that he has he's like he has a lot of ground to make up. Mm-hmm. But he, yeah, for sure. Wow. I'm gonna say no, he's not going to be on his way to being the, but he's going to be in the top five mm-hmm. with ownership in uh not just two storied franchises that have been around for a very long time, but two of the uh, most profitable. He's yeah. certainly going to make his money, but I mean. Uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes, uh, part owner of the Kansas City Royals. Uh, Mario Lemieux turned his playing career into an ownership career, um, you know, post-playing. I don't necessarily know that there's that much money in ownership that he's going to outpace, um, you know, some of the already existing wealthiest uh, athletes, post and, and uh, current players. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I mean, Tiger, the last I looked, Number one was Ronaldo. It was mostly soccer players, right? It's Federer, number one. Okay, yeah, a Federer. Okay, so from the world of tennis, who was was it? Ronaldo and Messi in the Messi, top Ronaldo, five? and then Neymar were. Uh, there you go. Before, so so I feel in terms of the wealthiest athletes, we know that money makes more money. So if these guys are smart and they're managing it correctly, the ones that make the most in their playing career should theoretically end up being the ones that are the wealthiest post playing career. But but here's the here's the caveat to that though, Kev. That doesn't take into consideration ownership stakes in franchises or businesses that they have. That just includes that just, endorsements and salary. Oh, okay. That's interesting. So then you're saying he might already be ahead of those guys, but I mean, we don't see it on that list. Exactly. Yeah, that's true. That's true too, because like the 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 dollar where it is now, like compared to what Jordan was getting paid in the nineties is very, very different than, you know, how much guys are getting paid now. Like we're hearing about super max contracts and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, or what, the, or, you know, you know what, here's the other thing. There's a good chance, like, cause I've been, I've, I read this article very quickly and they were talking about how more and more basketball players are also investing in uh, cryptocurrency. Right. <laughs> so there's a good chance that he has a chunk of his money. Again, I, this is purely speculation, but I wouldn't be shocked if you know if i have if i'm making 40 million dollars a year i have no problem putting 2 million into cryptocurrency and and it grows you know what i mean cuz 
look at what's his name uh russell okun right like mm -hmm. he put half of his salary into cryptocurrency so i think they said he put six and a half and then by a couple of months later it was worth like 10.1 or something like that so i don't know if he's part of that group of people in the nba because they did say a bunch of nba players are actually putting their money into crypto yeah. but it's it's definitely a new a different time so it's possible I'm I'm still not sure how cryptocurrency works, <laughs> so I, I don't you know they could literally just be putting in a million dollars and it's like yeah you own a million dollars worth of monopoly money, yeah and who knows like, like can you spend cryptocurrency I don't even know what, what you can do with it you can well, you can, it. you can trade it right you can trade crypto to, for other so currencies what's like, so, yeah, so it's you, like pogs. <laughs> exactly like pox this yeah. is the grown-up version of the game we enjoyed so much in our youth amazing and if you have bitcoin that's the slammer <laughs> it is the uh, heaviest pog it honestly feels like cryptocurrency and hockey cards and the like sports cards are like what the, the the largest return in investment is right now like are you guys seeing, are huge are right you, now. Are you guys seeing all the returns on these sports cards? Like I I, I gotta go through a box in my I know. basement because for I, sure I got some money in there. I, I I was telling my brother the other day, I'm like, you need to go and find all of our old baseball and hockey cards yeah. and go through them and bring them down the next time that you're here because we won't make some money. Yeah. I, I have a I have a uh I, I don't know, I have I'm just like you guys, I have a box of cards. And I keep telling Tess, I'm like, yo, don't throw that shit away. <laughs> you know what I mean? Kids college um, fund. <laughs> exactly. But the thing is, like, I there were some cards in there. Like, I, I, I'm pretty sure I had, like, an upper deck uh, Nolan Ryan in his final year. Type, type, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, I had those random type cards. And I'm like, I didn't even watch baseball. I was just like, eh, I'm just going to buy all these yeah. cards. Yeah. And I, it, like, just ran, like, Marcel Dion. You know, like, stuff like that. Yeah. I'm just like. Who knows? Maybe it'll be worth something someday. Yeah, and then I'll just and then I'll just buy a bunch of cryptocurrency or pods. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, anyways, congratulations to LeBron James on another fantastic business venture. I mean, that yeah, guy. Congrats on being rich, rich guy. Really yeah. appreciate yeah. it. Hey, for a guy who grew up in a single family home and didn't go to university, you know, he's uh, he's done very well for himself and. You know, I, I think he truly is one of the, the good guys in, in sports. So I love him. Yeah. Yeah. So never been Martin Scandal. Never. Well, if you keep your nose clean and you know you you focus on making money instead of wasting it, then you know that can that can be everybody. He's not he will not be on that documentary, bro. No, he will not. No, he will <laughs> not. Um unless he meets Bernie Madoff. Um Madoff <laughs> with their money. <laughs> All right. So um, moving along with the show, let's go into everybody's favorite angry segment and let's grind some beans with our man, Kevin Kelly. Grinding beans. Well, I got some beans to grind specifically the lists that keep coming out because there's a lot of bored people working <laughs> at ESPN or the score <laughs> or front office podcast. <laughs> and uh, and these lists all seem to be the same. Whenever something happens in some sport, they create a top five list of all time. And I think last week we were talking about um, 
what was that the the top players of all time in exciting players in college yeah most exciting college football players okay yeah. so the list that uh, struck me as odd and i think it's up on the website now yeah, um, definitely up on the website uh, it was it was one from ESPN, and they were talking about the top five QBs of all time. Oh, because Drew Brees retired this week, <laughs> rightfully so, after a 20-year career and a Super Bowl ring on his hand. He uh, he calls it a career, and right away the the discussion starts. Almost gotta get gotta get the list out there. Yeah, yeah, you gotta <laughs> put it out there. Is Drew Brees one of the greatest to have ever played the position of quarterback? And right away, people start running to it. Yep, he's the greatest. Now, I'm going to throw this out there. I don't think he is the greatest. I don't think he comes ahead of three or four other guys that were around playing while he was uh, playing. I mean, that's a 20-year career. But for some reason, and maybe this will end up being true, Patrick Mahomes is included in the top five list. So, and I have it here because I, I mean, it's not on the website. I'm having trouble finding it on the website, okay. but uh, if you go I'll, to the front I'll, office podcast, I'll, I'll send you a hyperlink later. Yeah, please do. <laughs> um, number one is Tom Brady, right? Who's going to be the most debatable goat of all time. Uh, but at the same time, it's hard to argue with the results, right? Yeah. yeah. Then you get Joe Montana in there. Yeah. No one's going to argue with that. Aaron Rodgers, yep, certainly Aaron Rodgers. we got to consider Aaron Rodgers, even though he's got one ring. Um, and he's got multiple MVPs. He's going to finish his career on top. Peyton Manning, absolutely. And then Patrick Mahomes. He's going into his fourth year? Yeah. His fourth year. Just so we're clear, there are a lot of quarterbacks that after four years, the hype was over the top i can think of a quarterback that we were all crowning as a future hall of famer and then he didn't have the luck he needed to continue (laughs) his career thanks to injuries as a result of a horrible offensive line which indianapolis has decided to go and get the best offensive line in football after their star quarterback future hall of famer has to retire from injury but you can't start crowning people in the top five of quarterbacks when they're in year four of their career. Aaron <laughs> Rodgers could be debatable because he still has quite a bit of tread on those tires. Not as much or, or not as much tread as he once did, but yeah. Tom Brady, he's got one year, two years, three years, maybe, right? You could talk about him, even though he's still playing. You can talk about Aaron Rodgers for what he has done for the career he's had, yeah. but how yeah. in the hell do you start crowning number five in top five quarterbacks of all time, a guy who has played only four years? Yes, he has gone to two Super Bowls and won one, but that is half of his existing career. If he plays another 20 years and doesn't go to a Super Bowl, now you're kind of thinking he's a pretty good quarterback and he's very comparable to other quarterbacks that went to two Super Bowls and won one. Yep. Um, you know, I can think of other quarterbacks I put in there that didn't have a Super Bowl ring and didn't even play in a Super Bowl, and that's Michael Vick. I can put Michael Vick in there. He spent most of his prime years in prison, however, for running a dogfighting ring with his cousin, right? But I'm sure way back when we put his cleats in the Hall of Fame in the middle of a season after he broke the single-game rushing record for a quarterback, we were all thinking this guy's going top five for sure. No one saw the dog fighting ring in his future. Now, I hope Patrick Mahomes isn't going to do something illegal that mars his career and ruins it. 
And I hope he doesn't fall victim to injury like Andrew Luck did. But at the end of the day, he's only four years in. Give him a chance to do some amazing things. Is it very likely that he has a career that puts him in the top five? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's a talent. He is a generational talent. If he gets to play 20 years, that talent will will end up being surrounded with other talent because people are going to want to play with him. Yeah. And they're going to go to more Super Bowls. They're going to have, um, you know, look at the years that Tom Brady had where he didn't win a Super Bowl. He, they ran away with a division uh, title. You know that if they keep him healthy for the next 14 years, let's say, they're going to win quite a few divisions, right? Even if they don't yeah. go to Super Bowls. So give it time. Don't start crowning this guy number five now. Give him another 10 years at least so we can knock out another guy who's in that five spot, like Drew Brees. Yeah. Maybe Drew Brees is number five. I don't think so. But Patrick Mahomes needs to eventually earn the right to knock someone out of that five spot. He has not earned that yet. Will he? Quite possibly. And that's what. <laughs> well, I, uh, I, I I like it. I mean, I, I tagged both you guys in that for a reason. And that was, you know, and I said, well, you know, maybe another episode in the future. And kind of happy you use that as your grinding bean segment because there are a few issues that I have and I mean this is just one guy's opinion who did this so this is Ryan Clark who is a former safety for the Giants and and Steelers um so he did an article and he pretty much said this is my five top quarterbacks of all time and I I'm in total agreement with you with jumping the gun and crowning Mahomes as you know a top five quarterback right now i mean the guy is phenomenal he's got one of the best skill sets we've ever seen in football in regards to a quarterback but we said that like you were saying kev about a few quarterbacks who've unfortunately fallen short of living up to their full you know career potential so you know that that's an issue in itself the biggest one i had there or sorry there's two issues that i had so one of which how is peyton manning number four I mean, love him or hate him, that guy revolutionized what executives look for in a quarterback when it came to identifying the game like a coach and general manager would. I'd put him ahead of Montana. Peyton, bite your tongue. <laughs> with my you bias, know. with my with my wearing my nice yeah. t-shirt right now. So so again, yeah, like you know, Steve we, Young in there. I'm sure it's you. Best top five quarterbacks of all time. Number one, Joe Montana. Number two, Steve Young. Number three, Jim Druckenmiller. Um, <laughs> Alex Smith, but only at the beginning of his career. <laughs> yeah. Elvis Gerbach. <laughs> Tim Rattay. Um, oh, but anyways, you know, going back to it, I mean, you look at it and Peyton Manning won with two separate organizations before, you know, any – you know, any of these new quarter or new quarterbacks, any of these quarterbacks that are you know winning Super Bowls with two separate teams. He won with two separate teams. You look at how many pro bowlers Peyton Manning was able to turn players into, and people can say, Oh, look how many pro bowlers Peyton Manning played with. No, 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 no. Look at how many players Peyton played with that he made into pro bowlers. Yep. Ken Dilger was a pro bowler playing with Peyton Manning. Marcus can tell you who that is. Yeah. Marcus Pollard was a pro bowler playing with Peyton Manning. Brandon Stokely was a thousand yard receiver playing with Peyton Manning. You cannot tell me that Peyton Manning did not make everyone around him that much better, including offensive line, receivers, running backs, and defense, because 
guess who's on the field chewing up clock, keeping the other opposing defense on the field the, the entire game? Peyton. I'm going to throw this in there, Kyle. My favorite center from that era is Jeff Saturday. And I, I, I don't think I'm being facetious when I say this. Jeff Saturday is not a household name for offensive linemen or centers if he wasn't Peyton Manning center. No. Throwing that out there. No, and, and you're, you're 100% right. And, again, it's, it's great that a guy like Jeff Saturday was undrafted and the story's fantastic. He's turned into, you know, what people might say is a top five center of all time. But again, if he doesn't play with a guy like Peyton Manning, who's able to help him with protections, who's able to, you know, move other guys around, who's able to help the run game with his play action ability, like people underestimate that type of impact. So if I look at it, Peyton Manning has got to be higher in the list. I mean, you guys know how I feel about Tom Brady, but I got to give the guy respect. You know, it, it's so hard to not put him at number one with all the records he has, with all the Super Bowls he has. The guy has been to 25% of the total Super Bowls in NFL history. So I've grown to like him more in, in Tampa Bay later years of yeah, his career 100%. and what he did at the Super Bowl celebration this yes. year. I have grown to like him more than I ever did in his earlier uh, career. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and so moving on to my second point, I mean, people can, can say that Drew Brees isn't talented or whatever. Look at everything Drew Brees has accomplished for being a six foot, 190 pound quarterback who doesn't have a strong arm isn't that mobile but he was able to win a super bowl with a franchise that had never won one before he broke every single one of peyton manning's records that peyton had until tom brady and him were going back and forth for the touchdown record and he was able to do it after he had a major shoulder operation he was never going to play football again at one point. He came back, New Orleans trusted in his ability to recover, and he rewarded them with a Super Bowl. And I think they made the playoffs in all but two years that he was there. So, I mean, to not have that guy in a top five list is, is again, very disrespectful to the type of career that Drew Brees has had. And again, it's one of those lists where it's only five guys, so it's going to be a really hard competition to put, you know, you know, rank guys and put them in there. But I think the three guys you have to have are Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and Drew Brees. And then Joe Montana has to be in there somewhere too. So I, I'm going to say this, it, you know, Super Bowls are obviously really important, but the best quarterback to not have a Super Bowl ring on his, on his hand is, uh, is Dan Marino. Well, and all uh, these I'll, guys had to break a number of his yes. records to be considered top five. Yeah. And here's another guy to throw out there. And after this, Jet, you can you can chime in here. Warren Moon. Warren Moon spent half, of, spent half of his career in the CFL where he won five straight Grey Cups. Yeah. Okay? He then went to the NFL, and he was the guy who was passing for the most yards every year. He was the Patrick Mahomes of that, of that era. And you look at where he sits in the all-time passing for NFL only, he's still in the top 12. Wow. which is insane because he spent most of his early career in Canada. And if you combine his CFL stats with his NFL stats, he blows out every record out of the water. Yeah. Yeah. So I agree. I agree with you. And I'm going to say something controversial here. I no, don't think, I don't no. think Aaron Rodgers should be in the top five. Here's why. Here's why. 
he is living off of past glory. He won one Super Bowl where he beat Pittsburgh. Okay. He's been the MVP twice. Yeah. Twice. So, okay. He's been the MVP twice. He's been, and he's won one Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes, like we said, he's a generational talent. He's, he's won league MVP. He's won Super Bowl MVP, even though it should have went to Damian Williams. Mm-hmm. And we just got cut today, two- by the way. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, Edwards Alaire. Eh. So, <laughs> so when you think about that, and he has a Super Bowl, and he did it in four years, right? It's like, mind you, I know Green Bay doesn't give him a supporting cast, but at the same time, I I still think like, okay, you you won the MVP twice. I don't like, I still don't see how that puts you in the top five. You see what I'm saying? Like Drew Brees, like you said, he has all those records. Peyton Manning has two Super Bowls. Uh, uh, Tom Brady, we don't even need to speak about because he's he's on a you know in a league of his own. Uh, Montana has multiple Super Bowls as well. Uh, friggin' John Elway has two Super Bowls. You know what I mean? Like there's a couple of guys who have two Super Bowls, who are Hall of Famers, who have a resume that's that's you know a lot more extensive. Because let's also not forget, Aaron Rodgers has been injured a couple of times. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Which has taken away a little bit, not from his performance, but it's taken away from some of the numbers that he he may have had. Does he look like a video game when he plays? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like some of the throws he makes off the off his back foot yeah. or when, you know, oh, Aaron Rodgers is going to throw a Hail Mary. Oh, fuck. Okay, they're going to win the game. So I still think like, I still think he, it, it, in the scheme of the top five, that he's overrated. Aaron Rodgers is one of the top three most talented quarterbacks to ever yes. play. Yes, 100%. But again, for the criteria of top five quarterbacks, yeah, I, I don't think he would be in there. I think if he wins another Super Bowl, absolutely. I, I think yeah. that with everything that he has, even if he doesn't finish in the top five or whatever for passing yards and touchdowns, he's got to be put in there. Because, again, the guy is just phenomenal. He, he understands how to win, and you know he's, he's done some great things in Green Bay. Yep. Very good debate there, fellas. And I think that we can, we can honestly talk about that forever, just like any of these lists that are coming out. So, uh, I mean, they keep putting them out. We'll keep critiquing them and, and giving, our, giving our take on it. So, very, uh, very well done, Kev. So, on to the next part of the Front Office Podcast. As always, we like to dive into the world of injury prevention and rehabilitation. And we're going to go over to our medical doctor, Oh, God. <laughs> General Constant. With a little bit of constantly improving. Medic! <laughs> but but, she, but uh, see, Kev said it. I just told you about how Haitian I am, and you hit me with the constant. It's constant. Constant. constant yeah? Gotta get right. <laughs> 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 oh man you heard that interview last time Kirk. how that how that dude butchered my name yeah oh my god that was brutal <laughs> like what did he call you constantine yeah <laughs> i'm like i'm not an i'm not a russian emperor like what are you talking about my name's Zephyro constantine hello hello <laughs> <laughs> oh man anyhow um so uh, i wanted to talk about something but I, I almost channeled my my inner uh, Kev a little bit, okay, Ooh, because it was, it was even though I don't drink coffee, it was grinding my beans a little bit, okay. I'll I'll explain why. So I saw a clip of um, Odell Beckham. Uh, as many know, he's recovering from ACL surgery, okay, 
and they're showing them running on a treadmill going like super fast and you know they're like oh he's on his way he's on his way yeah it's like i guess you know i guess he's on his way i guess (laughs) now (laughs) the reason i say that is because okay so there's four approaches that you can take to repairing an acl okay you can use the patellar tendon you can use the quad tendon which is very common with like bigger more explosive athletes you can use a hamstring tendon uh, some doctors tend to double it up with the gracilis. Um, and then you also have the cadaver tendon, which is a little bit riskier because yep. your body can reject it. Just ask Dominic Cruz, right? <laughs> okay. I think he's what, maybe four months post, something like that? Uh, Three months, four months post, something like that? Yeah. He's something like, about that, something like that. So they show him running like crazy, okay? Like, ah, and we already know he's fast. We get it, okay? Yeah, yeah. What bothered me about that clip, okay, (laughs) is the fact that it's not a true picture of what rehab should be for your ACL. Running full sprints at four months post should not be at the top of your priority list when you are running and trying to rehab from an ACL. Here's what I mean. When you're, when you're healing from an ACL surgery, depending on where they took the graft from, you have an inherent weakness somewhere because they took a piece of something. So running should not be your priority. Yes, you could do light running so that you can re-educate your gait pattern, your running pattern, sure. But there's no need to be running like a maniac at four months post in a straight line, okay? Plus, as a receiver, you will be changing direction, running patterns. So what you should be doing is strengthening all of the accessory muscles that in those moments when you're running a slant, which Odell Beckham is very well known for, okay, taking a slant and taking it to the house, you want to train his body so that when he plants that leg, it does not go kaboom, okay? In addition, if they used a hamstring graft or a quad graft or something, you want to strengthen those muscles and those tendons as well. That is why, for example, Dalvin Cook tore his ACL. When he came back a year later, he had hamstring issues the entire season. He, he played well because he's Dalvin Cook. Yeah. But then the year after when he actually was able to take an entire offseason again to strengthen everything properly he exploded onto the scene so and the reason, another thing <laughs> so the reason this bothers me is because i know for a fact you will see the young kids out there who are you know football who have football aspirations who are you know 15 16 17 rushing acl's back because they see, well, Odell Beckham was sprinting at four months. I got to do the same. And then the first time they run a slant or they run a post or something, and then their leg goes and they're like, I don't know what happened. And sometimes it's not even the ACL that goes. Like they can run and then their ACL, uh, their hamstring goes. Yep. And then we've seen, we saw this season what happened with hamstrings. It was a, it was an epidemic. Like it was crazy. There were at yep. like. The hamstring sniper was taken, you know, three three to five a week. It's because they didn't attend Jethro's hamstring workshop. 
Shameless. If only plug. someone would create a workshop about hamstrings. <laughs> Make sure to stretch out those creepy hamstrings. That's not just Shameless a creepy. Plug. It's not just a creepy plug. That is literally something that Jethro has created, and for this reason, like you can tell, like he's so angry right now. Everybody, like he, <sighs> he's gonna pop through the screen. Oh my god! So 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 all 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 that to say. An ACL recovery process is longer than most people think. Okay, <clears throat> research has research has even come out to say that the optimal return time post ACL is actually two years, not one. It's actually two. The only reason some players get a bit of a pass is because they're not like us working, you know, eight-hour days, seven-hour days or whatever, like they're paid millions of dollars to do nothing but rehab. Mm -hmm. But unless you're Marty McFly, you can't go forward in time. You got to let the process play out. <laughs> so all <laughs> that to say, again, work on the accessory muscles. You have to work on the hips. The hips stabilize the knee. You have to work on balance. You have to work on, you know, proprioception, which is your awareness in space. And you have to work your, your patterns slowly. There's you no to rush. Work, you have to work your acetabulums. Your acetab, your groins. <laughs> Damn acetabulums. So, so just all that to say, you know, sometimes when you are recovering from one surgery, if you don't rehab the other supporting structures, you're 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 doomed to have mm -hmm. another injury because the top one of the top predictors, if not the top predictor of injuries, is muscle imbalance. So as, as we previously discussed in exactly. constantly improving. Exactly. See, see how that came full circle? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> dude, I, I tagged you in that one for a reason because I knew that you were going to pop when you saw that. And, you know, Kev, maybe uh, you'll, re you'll remember this story. So everything that Jethro just said in regards to coming back too soon from rehabbing after surgery you remember when we went to Laval? I was just thinking about you when you said yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and we went to go work out at the CFL Combine. I was five months post-surgery for ACL, PCL, LCL, and MCL with a little bit Damn. of... A little bit with a little bit of meniscus repair. Just say knee. <laughs> Just say the whole bloody kit and caboodle pal. So again, you know, it was a, a hellish recovery, but I just wanted to rehab my brains out so I can come back and prove to people that I was not done. I didn't have a career ending injury, even though everything in modern science would indicate that I was never gonna play football again. So when I did it, I actually had my hamstring ligaments um, taken out and put into my knee. And Kev, maybe I'll, I'll let you kind of finish off the story here. So we go, we, we go to Quebec City, we work out, you know, a pretty intense, you know, two to three hour workout. It's a long day. There are a lot of one-on-ones that day too. A lot of one-on-ones that day. Yeah. Lots of one-on-ones. A lot of one-on-ones that day. And after, as we were sitting on the, the shuttle about to go back to the hotel, Kev, what do you remember? I just remember the look on your face, something along the lines of that's it for me, kind of George <laughs> Costanza. Um, I remember that specifically. Uh, and then I also remember that night uh, 
you you were pretty uh, chill to just hang tight and lay down in a very fixed <laughs> position with some ice on your knee from the hotel ice machine and well, uh, sipping a few pops yes, and enjoying yes. the fact that you uh, you pushed through it and did one last thing. So, I think so, we all had that thought in our head about our own careers yeah. without injury, mind you. But <laughs> I, I definitely needed some painkillers. So uh, a few uh, a few Budweiser MDs were uh, were definitely on on the docket <laughs> for that night. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. It. Uh, so I can attest to everything you're saying, Jet. You know, when you rush something back, even though you feel like you can do it and you can go straight ahead and you have it, you do certain things and you don't consider what's going to happen afterwards with other parts of you know of the affected area i popped my hamstring i want to say four separate times that day my hamstring was so sore i couldn't even stand up so as soon as i got into the hotel room i i flopped down on the bed and i literally didn't move until Never the next moved. morning i know that because i left and went to the bar and came back and you were in the exact same position <laughs> So anyways, you know, very good advice. And, you know, I, I will be the, I feel like I'm, I'm kind of like your, your hype man when it comes to this stuff, Jet, because I've gone through everything that you've talked about. So I, I can definitely attest to everything Jets were saying as being truthful. Um, can I throw something out there? You, you said, thanks to Odell Beckham, kids are going to be rushing back from ACL tears, thinking that that's how you're supposed to rehab, you know, cause Odell did it. I can do it. That's just, that's the second thing that I have to thank Odell for as a football coach uh, that pisses me off. The first thing is now every kid I coach wants to catch the ball with one hand, even when it's not necessary. So thank you, Odell, for making my receivers garbage when they don't need to be garbage. Thank you, Odell. And I say receivers, my receivers don't do that. It's every offensive lineman. Yeah. who wants to jump in on a skelly drill and then run and jump with one hand. And while they're doing it, they scream out Odell, kind of like uh, Kobe when we're throwing something into a trash bin. But the yell out Odell, and I'm thinking in the back of my head, I'm like, you know, when you yell Kobe and shoot something at a basket, that makes sense. There are a lot of other receivers you could be yelling when you're going to catch the ball yeah. than Odell. And yeah. my fantasy record has a lot to say about that. I'm just going to say, Odell, you really let me down this year, man. Depends on you what know, you know. What's, you know what's funny though in fantasy, how I traded him to you. He tore his ACL, and then you beat me in the playoffs. You took <laughs> well, me out. <laughs> that was just destiny. That was just it was. Destiny. It was. He, you beat me, and then the week after, the guy that you that you traded for to beat me test positive for the sauce. Yeah, I was like, it was destiny. <laughs> yeah, destiny to get absolutely trounced in the finals against a far superior athlete. Oh Lord. Just a bad turn of luck for, for me. That was all that was. Enjoy your championship trophy for the next year. Oh man. You're It was the luck jersey. of the Irish. It's a Miami Hurricanes jersey, by the way. Um, oh. Is it a, was it Reggie Wayne? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's what so for those of you who has it ever made its way out of your basement or do you just win this damn thing every year? I mean, I'm I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> This was going to be a fantasy football podcast, but let's be honest, I would have no place on it. Well, it depends on what league you're in, because you actually have had some success in uh, in a specific league, and I won't name oh, yeah. it uh, name it by uh, by people who are in it. But yeah, I mean, you've uh, you've definitely had your fair share of championships in that league, and we are going to do four. A, I got four. Yeah, we are going to do 
uh, a fantasy football episode in a few installments of that because I think that people would uh, would benefit from hearing from the three of us in our uh, our fantasy football prowess. Um, we're moving on to another sport that uh, we're really going to focus on for this week, guys. So obviously, everyone who tuned in to episode eleven earlier this week uh, heard a great conversation that I had with uh, an old family friend and Mike Felino. Um, again. Anyone who hasn't listened to it yet, please go and, and check, you know, check out what Mike has to say. The guy has literally been, you know, involved in every single situation you could think of in, in regards to hockey. Um, I mean, played on the 93 Leafs team that was stacked with, you know, all-star caliber players that lost to Wayne Gretzky and the, and the Kings in a controversial fashion in game seven and, you know, it, uh, it it was pretty it was pretty great to catch up with him and, and get a get an up, update on everything that's going on with him and uh, getting his predictions on on you know who's going to win the Stanley Cup this year. So as we move into you know what we're going to chat about in regards to hockey, um, so I had a couple things in mind. So anyone who's been following the NHL this year knows that the divisions were realigned, and again, it it makes for one, less travel for most teams, and two, allows Canadian teams to, you know, operate within governmental guidelines to put in a full season. So unlike in years past, we're seeing a lot of, you know, cross-country, you know, playing between, you know, the Vancouver Canucks and the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Edmonton Oilers and the Ottawa Senators, Winnipeg Jets and the, um, and the Montreal Canadiens. So you know, we've got all of these teams playing against each other in Canada, which is great for viewing. And and there's talk that they're actually going to continue doing this after COVID is over, and they're going to keep the Canadian division intact. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but I am 100% on board with that because I think that no other rivalry in the game of hockey can match that of a Canadian team versus a Canadian team regardless of how many Canadians are actually on the roster. And when you create these, you know, inner rivalries, even when you look down in the States, you've got, you know, teams from the Northeast that are all going to play against each other more times than they normally would. Teams from the West, they're going to play against each other more times than they normally would. Teams from the South playing against each other more times than they normally would. And now you start to create more of these, you know, cross, you know, cross state and cross provincial rivalries even more than you had in the past. And I think it just makes for that much better hockey. So maybe I'll get your takes on it. What do you think of, you know, maybe the future of the NHL having an all Canadian division? Not going to happen. <laughs> Not going to happen. Okay. Explain. Well, uh, my take on it is this. Uh, the, well, the same reason why there's a team called the Florida Panthers um, or Las Vegas Knights, uh, why there's a team in Arizona. Um, those markets are created because Canadians travel south. I'm going to also say that a lot of the viewership and fan base for American teams stems from the rivalries created by Canadian teams. Like you think about, uh, you know, large everyone always makes a joke. Gary Bettman's dream world is New York Rangers versus LA Kings every year in the Stanley cup finals, to game seven, right? Makes sense. But the LA Kings don't have a following and don't have 
uh, a fan base unless they had, uh, if they didn't trade for Wayne Gretzky, right? If they didn't get Wayne Gretzky to LA, hockey did not set foot in the West Coast uh, and does not become a stronghold. We're talking about a state that has what well, California has San Jose, Anaheim, and Los Angeles. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, that, that's, there's no ice rinks naturally occurring there. This is because Wayne Gretzky was traded from Edmonton to, to LA. LA has, uh, you know, a heck of a team. And there you, you talk about, like, you know, playing against them, right? In 1993. Yeah. Um, they have that, they have that awesome team. Gretzky has his cartoon, which we all know and love. Pro Star. Oh my God, Pro Star! So what a show! So good. I've shown it to my kids on YouTube. We watch a lot of my old oh, cartoons. So good. it's even better the second time around, boys. All I'm saying. Yeah. Um, but you know that you need the stronger teams. Listen, I'm a teacher. One of the things that we do as teaching as teachers is we might pair up a stronger student academically with a student who might be struggling because it will help both of them, right? You might struggle to say, well, we know why it might help a student who's struggling because here's a stronger student showing them how they got there. But how does it help the stronger student? Well, the answer is the whole class starts to get smarter, which pushes the stronger student a bit. That's really what happens here, right? If, If we keep all of the Canadian teams playing in Canada, one, that's kind of like recycling, right? In the sense that we're not going to get enough viewership in the States, right? So we're losing out on uh, TV audience audiences, right? You look at 360 million to 38 million or 40 million or whatever we're at now in Canada, right? So for, for my take, you can't, you have to allow for that cross border play. Yep. This year's a one-off, but it's pretty exciting. It's kind of a cool thing to see. Um, and the, the simple fact that, there are so many American teams that have Canadian players on them. It's kind of nice for those guys to be able to check off on their calendar when they get to come home. Yep. So from, from a non-business take or a non-front office take and a person like just a human take, it's nice for those guys to come home. And it's also nice for the Canadians up here to go down to Vegas. Right. I mean, I think we can all imagine what happens for all the Canadian teams who go on road trips to, to play the Golden Knights. That is super proud. <laughs> it's amazing. All Canadian teams are 0 and 92 over the last decade. The Vegas Golden Knights seem to be just railing through these uh, seasons. The home Horrible record playoff, for the uh, the home record for the Vegas Golden Knights is 41 and 0. <laughs> God. <laughs> the weird thing is, ever since they brought in that. Uh, the uh, in in arena brothel for the visiting team it's really made things <laughs> interesting the, the teams look like they're like their legs are a little weak it's weird anyways <laughs> but that's my take on it I, I mean it's not a bad idea in theory um the idea like i mean you're cutting down on travel costs and people would love to see the canadian rivalry games but it gets kind of like the cfl like how many times do you have to play the edmonton eskimos in the season you can't say that anymore. Oh, yeah. Sorry. That's right. That's gone now. Actually, that makes me feel better inside. Are they the Edmonton football team now? Or? Edmonton football team, and I think they've narrowed it down to five different names, and I think the leader in the category is Edmonton Elks. Oh, okay, well, I'll just pick another team. We'll go with BC Lions. <laughs> there you go. Can't say that <laughs> either. 
I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty certain Lions isn't offending anyone but Lions. <laughs> or Tigers. Exactly. Tiger, exactly. Tigers get real pissed when you mention the <laughs> Lions. I got but in all fairness, you know, nothing, <laughs> we're hoping that this gets censored out of our podcast. Whoever does the editing, Kyle's friend. It'll be uncensored on the website. Yeah. Oh, then we're good. Yeah. Yeah. You want to have to touch in there. Yeah. So my take on it is, Kyle. Uh, just fold up hockey all together, everyone. <laughs> uh, yeah, a, a very intelligent argument from Kevin in the second half of his uh, of his point there. But no, I, I, a very very good point by you. I, I mean, I think that's obviously the reality from a revenue making industry where you want to cross promote and you want to make sure that you're getting into every market as much as possible, so that way you can highlight the game and try to grow it in places that are struggling like a place like Arizona and Dallas and you know things of that nature where they struggle to to get a hockey base because of the weather not really permitting them to have as much access to hockey as uh, as other country or other teams would so uh Jet your thoughts uh I feel I feel like Kev said it all like it, it kind of sucks if you just it's kind of like rinse repeat rinse repeat rinse repeat and on top of that like when you have you know phenomenal talents like uh like Connor McDavid and you want to see him you know going up against guys that are down south well they happen to be on teams down south you're not going to see it happen so you can't market those clashes the same way yeah right so why are you smiling like that? I sent Kyle a funny text. I'll send it. <laughs> oh man, that's so good. Oh man, I'll send it to you, Jet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, nothing about you, Jet. It's it's no, no, it's all good. It's, all it's good. hilarious. Anyways, go on. Oh man, well, no, that's that's pretty much it. Like, I just I don't feel like uh, like there's you're really gonna have that that level of competition all around. So. <laughs> all right so as, as you await this uh this you know text on your phone um yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, put it on the website there it is there it is that'll be <laughs> oh man so so moving on to you know where where things can go i mean i think that kev you're you're right i think that it, it will go back to you know the way that it was based on you know, owners looking at the bottom line and, and understanding that maybe that's the best case scenario. But, you know, again, it, it, it could provide for a good argument, especially for Canadian-based teams, because I think that the Canadian fan base and the Canadian owners are actually loving the fact that they're getting all of these huge markets running in, you know, running through town and you're getting to see Connor McDavid six times a season instead of two, right? So How angry are they that they can't sell tickets to go see it? I know. You know what I mean? Like that. Yeah. This would be a great year for them to be selling in-person tickets. Yeah, they'd absolutely. have to extend seating. Absolutely, I think that's kind of why they want it, right? I think that's kind of yeah. why they want it because there's a lot of talent on these Canadian rosters, and especially with you know individual players who people want to go see. So, you know, kind of moving and then shifting gears a little bit. Obviously, we're talking about you know teams up in Canada, and even though it's been a long time since the Canadian team has truly hoisted the Stanley Cup. I think we can all, you know, look at, because I think all of us have favorite teams that all lie in Canada. So Kev with the Senators, Jet with the Canadians, and myself with the Oilers. And an interesting debate that I was thinking about 
is in the history of every single Canadian team, who would you put as the absolute top player from every single Canadian team? Oh, so not okay. Yeah, well, Wayne Gretzky in Wayne Gretzky with the Oilers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, take that off the board because you know yeah. Wayne Gretzky plays on any team, he's going to be the top player on any board. So. <laughs> You know, so, so, you know, going through it, I, I was kind of looking at, you know, for my team, obviously, you got Wayne Gretzky and Connor McDavid, you know, at, when it's all said and done, if you spend his whole career with Edmonton. Could it's end the up Pat Mahomes up. argument again. Exactly. All I'm saying. But I'm saying if he spends his whole career at Edmonton and he is able to eventually maybe pass Wayne Gretzky for total career points as an Edmonton Oiler, not total, but as an Edmonton Oiler, um, there could be an argument there because, you know, that kid is just phenomenal. But, uh, you know, again, I'm, I'm looking at other teams and maybe Jet will go into Montreal first because what a rich history of fantastic yeah, players that have mm-hmm. come through the Montreal Canadiens organization. So in your mind, Jethro, who do you think is the top player in Montreal Canadiens history? Oof. Could be a goalie, could be defense, could be forward, could be anybody. I think you got to go with the Rocket. I mean, the guy has a trophy named after him. In his <laughs> in his time, he was super dominant, and like it's it's very difficult to to argue against him. I know that Patrick Roy makes a huge you know argument as well, um, as well as uh, what's his name? Was it Jacques? Not Jacques Plante. Jacques Plante and Plant, right. You got uh, Jean Jean Beliveau. Um, exactly. You've got well, Ken Dryden was a goalie. Ken I was say Ken Dryden too. All of yeah. the French ones. Uh-huh. Yeah. Guy La, so, and Guy Lafleur. Guy Lafleur, absolutely, absolutely. But I feel like uh, I feel like you'd have to give it to Maurice Richard. The dude got suspended and they rioted, yo. Yeah. Like <laughs> so, you know, if they flip, <laughs> he was the, the Muhammad right Ali of hockey in many yeah, ways, if, right? Yeah, except he said he was like super French. He's like, hey, this guy, if I see him in the street, I throw my Putin in his face, you know, like that. <laughs> yeah. That sounds yeah, like either. George St. Pierre, actually. Yeah. <laughs> it was a very good GSP. Yeah. But uh, yeah, to answer your question, yeah, Rocket Richard. I, I would I would 100% agree with that. Yeah. Um, just with the, the impact that he had on hockey at the time, and then obviously with the um, the records that he had, his goal scoring ability in a time where guys weren't scoring 50 goals in a season, like this yeah. guy was was ahead of his time for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe we'll hop over and talk about another original six team and uh, Kev, your your hated Toronto Maple Leafs. <sighs> not a big fan, not a big fan. Um <laughs> You know what? There's been so many great players to come through Toronto, right? Like that's that is a, uh, a a team that a lot of Canadian players want to play for too, right? Like yeah. you think about a lot of big, you look at uh, Jan Tavares. Um, he, he said he's like, this is my dream of one day playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs, right? Yeah. Relocates and you know, captain the team. Look at the the star power they have there now. Um, again, Patrick Mahomes' argument can't give it to any of those guys. Uh, I'm going to go with an oldie, but a goodie and a shout out to JB3, but uh, Johnny Bauer, probably going to go down as one of the greats for, for Toronto. Mm-hmm. Um, that's my pick. 
Wow. JB3, John Bauer the third, our good friend in sports media. There you go. Um, you days. Yeah, very difficult to go against that. I mean, like, obviously, there's there's been a lot of great goaltenders that have come through the the Maple Leafs organization over the years, and I think guys that you'll probably have in the argument are guys like Daryl Sittler and Borgia Salming, um, even guys you know in the '90s and uh, early 2000s like a, like a Doug Gilmore, um, Wendell Clark, uh, or even you know Matt Sundin. You know, those those are guys that you would probably put in that category. But again, Johnny Bauer hard to argue with with everything that he was able to do and everything he accomplished with uh, with the Maple Leafs so mm-hmm. very good um okay so we'll go back out to the west coast and uh I'll give my two cents on the rival of uh, of my team the uh, the Calgary Flames this is a this is a tough one because Calgary has had a lot of good teams but when you look at players that have come through not necessarily a lot of you know the big name like scoring 180 points in a season type guys when I looked at the players that have come through Calgary one guy just stood out to me as being really revolutionary at his position and I'm going to go with a defenseman Al McInnes wow that's a good pick you know the guy was a dominant defensive defenseman he was a dominant offensive defenseman and he was kind of the one who, you know, came along and really made the slap shot, you know, as, as exciting to watch as, yeah. uh, as it was like the guy had an absolute cannon back there and he was able to do it in Calgary. He won a Stanley cup there. Then he went on to St. Louis and he did it just as well in his, uh, in, you know, in the later half of his career. And again, I think Al McKinnis is definitely, you know, the, uh, the guy that I would put on the top of the list for most talented guys to ever play for the Calgary Flames. So that's impressive. Right. That's a good pick. Yeah. So Jet, I'm going to throw one back over to you and I'm going to get your take on the Winnipeg Jets. Timu. <laughs> I go Timu or Dale Howard Chuck. Excellent choices. So yeah, two guys who, one, Dale Howardchuk was one of the most underrated players of his day. Mm-hmm. Over first overall pick, really, you know, took the league by storm as a rookie and, uh, and did a lot of great things point-wise in, in Winnipeg. But, yeah, I mean, Timu Solani scored 76 goals in his rookie season. That's disgusting. That is insane. 76 goals in his rookie year. And – I don't think that record's ever going to be broken, ever. No. You know, guys have trouble scoring 50 goals now. So, I mean, to score 76, it's, it's pretty good. But Jet coming with a, a good, hot, uh, good hot take there. Good job, man. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, there okay. So, um, I'll, I'll save Kev's favorite team for last because, obviously, we're, we're all based in Ottawa and we've got uh, a lot of – um, you know, Ottawa listeners here. So we'll let Kev marinate on who he thinks is the top Ottawa Senator of all time. And I know who you're going to pick already, but just think about it. Okay. Um, so I'm going to go back to the West coast and talk about the Vancouver Canucks. And again, you know, some good players have come through that system, but one guy who is just absolutely incredible to watch was, you know, Pavel Burek. Yeah. The Russian rocket. We talk yeah. about the rocket for, for Montreal. We got to go with the Russian rocket for, for Vancouver. And I think, you know, my brother being a Vancouver fan, our buddy Matt Edgeworth being a Vancouver fan, 
you ask them who their favorite player was of all time, and they it automatically, without hesitation, is Pavel Bure. Um, you know, obviously injuries hampered his career too, but that guy was on pace to to do some you know some serious damage in the in the goal scoring record category. But uh, mm-hmm. some some fun teams to watch for Vancouver back in the day with uh, Trevor Linden and Cliff Ronning and um, you know in the group that they had there. But uh, yeah, Pavel Bury untouched in regards to speed and uh, and skill. Gino Ojek. Gino Ojek, one of the <laughs> toughest guys that ever strapped up the skates. For sure. When I saw him last, he was still as big as an imposing person yeah. as he was back then. Yeah, for sure. Can, um, we, can, we, give a, can we give a shout out to uh, Pavel's brother, Valerie, for uh, locking down DJ Tanner? <laughs> yeah. yeah, the most successful of the Burrays, <laughs> for certain. I don't know, man. Pavel's got some uh, some big uh, some big money over in Russia. He's kind of like the LeBron James post-career. Hawk. Talk about hockey cards. So I got a Pavel Burry rookie card. So do I. So do but I. But I got a Valerie Burry and Pavel Burry hockey card. And I still remember it. It's such a classic <gasps> early 90s. And yeah. they're on inline skates. Yeah. yeah I, got, I, got, neon I, got, I got the same one. I got the same one. I remember that. <laughs> we all had that pro choice set, eh? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, yeah. Um, so we'll save. The uh, the Ottawa Senators for for last year and Kev, I know who you're taking already, but again, maybe rhyme off some some famous players. Um, you don't know. You never know. Uh, oh, I know. never know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> we're saying modern era here, right? Yeah, we're not talking the Cyclone Taylor era, nineteen fifty. Yeah, yeah. The, so, the Silver Seven, the Ottawa Cobalts, <laughs> they had it. They beat the Montreal Maroons. Mm-hmm. The winner got the winner got to eat a sandwich. Um, <laughs> no, I mean you know what? There are so many names that are synonymous with Ottawa, especially you know it's a successful run um, in the late '90s, early 2000s, mid 2000s. Um, best goaltenders of all time. I mean, we only had him for like two years as Dominic Asik, but there were other guys that came through our system that went on to have even more successful careers elsewhere right um from the standpoint of some of our draft picks right uh, the big great great chris phillips one of the best lockdown defensemen there was we had zidane ochara at one point right uh chris neal played a thousand games and still managed to uh you know he probably shouldn't have lasted past his first 10 games is what i think he said when he was coming to the end of his career, but at the end of the day, he was a great character guy that absolutely really the identity of that team and great in the Ottawa area. Right. Um, Danny Heatley had some 50 goal seasons in the time that he was here, really changed the pace of the team. Um, he was a driving force on the team. Wow. Just right. wow. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Heatley's another one to consider. Let's think about uh, some other big names that have come through the Sens. I think a guy that uh, gets overlooked a lot in his career but was pretty stellar here was Jason Spezza, right? Someone that you you can't overlook. He was instrumental, right? And, uh, you know, he goes down to Dallas. Now he's in Toronto, and it looks like he's having a hell of a time in the twilight of his, his career right now in Toronto. It seemed to not be going well under previous coaches, and, uh, and now he's, he's tearing it up this year. Um, you know, he's a guy that you certainly have in that consideration. 
Another name that seems like an obvious choice, but he's not going to be my pick here is Eric Carlson. Right. I think, uh, I think he was well on his way to doing that. And then unfortunately has a, uh, pretty devastating injury that probably came as a result of his commitment to trying to win a Stanley cup when he put the entire team. And I think the city of Ottawa on his shoulders for, uh, for a pretty gritty, uh, double or triple overtime loss to the eventual Stanley cup champions in game seven of the Eastern Conference finals. Yeah. Um, you know, two Norris trophies to his name. He's got to be in there. Uh, but I think everyone in Ottawa knows who the number one Ottawa center is. And it's just a shame that uh, ownership didn't realize that when they let him go to another team to finish his career because the ownership is insane. And his name uh, is synonymous with Ottawa Sens hockey. He's a fixture in the community. But, uh, you know, he's got a gold medal from the Olympics, right, with Team Sweden, Daniel Alfredson. Should have been the Conn Smythe Trophy winner in 2007 had we won. You know what? I think that Sens fans would have punched you through their phones or tablets or computers listening to this if you if you didn't mention Daniel Alfredson at the top of that list. And um, again, we talk about some of the true good guys in, in sports. You know, Alfie is, you know, love him or hate him. You can't take away everything that he's done for the community, for the game of hockey in Ottawa, and ultimately for, you know, hockey in Sweden. Um, yeah. The guy has really, you know, Stashed elevated him. Exactly. The guy has really elevated the way that, you know, late round picks were assessed because people don't remember. He was a sixth round pick by the Ottawa Senators, and he won the Calder Trophy as a sixth yeah. round pick. So, I mean, fantastic choice. Um one guy who I think could have been in that conversation had they not moved him and it, it was too bad. They got a good player back, but I think this guy just embodied everything you want from a two-way player, you know, light up a scoreboard and, you know, was, was the type of guy who could be a captain eventually was Marion Hosa. Um, that guy was an absolute horse. And you look at what he was able to do with Detroit, Look at what he's able to do with Pittsburgh. You look at what he was able to do, you know, even going to Atlanta. And, and then finally in Chicago, where he finally won that elusive Stanley Cup, and uh, he ended up winning a few with them. The guy was just absolutely talented at both ends of the ice. And, I mean, you traded him for Heatley. Yes, you got a 50-goal scorer back, but, right? Yeah. I, you know what? In, in retrospect, that's that's one we let slip away. Obviously, Dan O'Chara is another yeah. one that we let slip away. We probably made the wrong choice in keeping uh, one of our defensemen over him. Um, but that's debatable, right? He was pretty yeah. good at the time. Um, Jess is good <laughs> at jumping in with some dark material on the sense list. <laughs> God. You can't say that. What? can't say dark material when you're talking to me i'm offended <laughs> yeah you're just chiming in with all these other comments <laughs> i don't i i'm pretty sure dark material is a stephen king book but anyways um it actually sounds like a good book, like right? a really I, good book. i'd read that book <laughs> all right guys uh, we're gonna write a book and call it dark material <laughs> okay i got an even better idea let's write a book and call it caddyshack 
<laughs> that has been done before, right? Nope. Um, Amazing. Another name that, uh, you know, we obviously got to consider because he was first pick overall. I actually have his QMJHL uh, hockey card. Uh, obviously yes. going to be worth a lot of money. Alexandre Daigle, Haitian, of course. Yeah. Um, <laughs> with, with a name like Alexandre Daigle. He must be Haitian, right, Jet? Just the way I pronounced it. It's like 164th. For sure. Yeah, 164th. God. But, um, uh, you know, easily the probably one of the, the names most associated with Ottawa because he goes down as the biggest draft bust in modern NHL since drafting was a thing. Yeah. So do you know who they passed on to draft Alexander Degg? Uh, wasn't Pronger in there? Chris Pronger yeah. went number two to Hartford. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then Chris Pronger beats them in 2007. <laughs> Just, uh, yeah. Putting a little assault in that wound. Still very yeah. recent. Yeah. But uh, anyways, no, that, uh, again, fun conversation to have. Like, we always talk about, you know, arguing who the best guy is and on each of these lists that we're bringing up week after week. And when we analyze a sport like hockey, I, I mean, it's the same as any other sport that we're critiquing, but you know, looking at just from a Canadian perspective, there's been so many great players that have come through all these teams and so influential in the, in regards to the history of the game. And um, I mean, again, we can go on forever, like especially with teams that have been around like Toronto and Montreal, like there's there's such a deep history of, of players rooted in there. But um, the good, yeah. the, we got, we got the a greatest good... Nordique of all time. Ooh, very good question. I mean, you got to go with a guy like Peter Stasny. Yeah, so, uh, or Michel Goulet. Um, Michel Goulet. Yeah, Michel Goulet. Um, those guys were actually, you know, some of the faster players in the league at the time. And someone who's worn, I, I would say the best player who's ever worn the actual Nordiques jersey has got to be Joe Sackett. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, obviously everyone knows him from the Colorado Avalanche, but got drafted to start his career with the Nordiques, who I have a rookie card of as well, uh, wearing the Nordiques jersey. Um, that's a lot of Bitcoin, man. That's a lot of Bitcoin. <laughs> I'm going to go cash it in for some crypto stock. Um, <laughs> but, uh, Buy a Tesla. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you look at the array of players we've got. I mean, we, we kind of, you know, went, uh, went over a few different decades. And, um, again, a very good debate to have. For, for any fan of, of any of these teams, because I'm sure that they've got, you know, someone ranked higher than and who are you talking about because of X, you know, X amount of reasons. But, um, but anyways, that was good. So, you know, from a hockey standpoint, obviously they, uh, the NHL has done a great job at, uh, you know, one getting their season finished last year in the bubble. Um, and then two getting their season restarted so soon after they finished the Stanley cup and, uh, and by all intents and purposes, it's been it's been going off without a hitch. So, kudos to the league and kudos to the to the PA for being able to come together and work on you know work on the solution. And obviously, for any sport, the next step is just you know how do we get fans back in the stadium and create that environment that uh, that we all know and love and uh, and get things back on track. But, anyways, guys, our hockey episode this week it uh, it, it was fun. Like I said, from from the talk with Mike to you know where kind of where things kind of stand in in the NHL right now to debating, you know the uh, the best player on each Canadian team. I think uh, we were able to cover a lot of uh, 
a lot of ground there. So last thing that we'll get out of each of you guys, um, who's your pick to win the Stanley Cup this year? <laughs> well, I like what the Sens are doing. Um, they, they and Vancouver both are really pushing uh, pushing the envelope here. Um, you know, in terms of Canadian teams, I heard Buffalo was on the up and up. They made some moves today that should uh, should free up some uh, you know some locker space in in the coach's office. Um, my pick right now, I hate saying this. I hate saying it. it hurts me inside, but the team I actually think that has the best shot at winning the Stanley cup right now is the Toronto Maple Leafs. The, I, uh, I said that just now <laughs> makes me sick to my stomach. No, but I, I mean, they're, they're a super talented team. And when you look at their ability to skate, you look at their ability to play, you know, physical when they need to, I mean, they've, uh, they've got a very good chance and they just need that goaltending, you know, um, to shore up in the playoffs and definitely have a very good chance, man, for sure. Jet. Uh, I've, I've only been getting them in snippets. I'm not going to lie. Yo, yo, this is going to sound terrible, but after PK left Montreal, I just stopped watching hockey. (laughs) Um, That was like four years ago. (laughs) Get over it. I stopped watching hockey like four years ago. He's been to other teams. No, I know. I'm well aware. I'm well aware. He broke up with Lindsey Vaughn. (laughs) (laughs) I just just stopped paying attention. I stopped paying attention. Um, But from the news that I've been seeing and hearing, I've been hearing that Tampa looks like they want to repeat. If I no, they won last year, didn't they? They yes. did. Yeah. So City been, champions, Tampa Bay. Yeah. So I wouldn't be shocked if they win again, and then you know they'll have a champ, champ. So you know, I I, I guess yeah, until you until you know you got to beat the champ to become the champ. So I'll just stick with thinking that Tampa will probably repeat until someone can actually prove otherwise. You know what the scary thing about them is? So they're actually, you know, in the running right now to still be first in the league. And they haven't had their best player in the lineup all season. And they're getting him back for the playoffs. And Nikita Kucherov, or Kucherov, sorry, Kucherov, um, which is scary. I mean, I mean, you look at how talented they are without, the, you know, one of the top players in the NHL, and they're going to get him back for the playoffs. You know, that's uh, that's a pretty scary thing to, to go against. What was his um, injury? Uh, I believe it was a shoulder, if I'm not mistaken. Why don't you look that up, and that could be your your next segment on constantly improving. How about that? Good idea. Good idea. Um, Yeah, I I like both of those picks. I really do. Um, But one team just keeps sticking out to me, and because of the coach, because of the way that they've been put together and built, the New York Islanders are a team that is just so talented and no one gives a shit about them right now, which is the scarier part because there's no wow. pressure on them. So Barry Trotz is one of the best coaches in NFL, um, NHL history. The guy won a Stanley Cup in Washington. He's got a super talented team with the Islanders and they've got depth. They've got two goalies that can you know, take over a game and they've got scoring from all four of their lines. So 
I mean, got to go with my gut and trust the uh, the New York Islanders, and maybe we'll get one of those you know 1980 Stanley Cup rematches with my Oilers in there against the uh, the New York Islanders. But it should provide for a very interesting run down the stretch because obviously it's a condensed schedule, so we're going to see teams be, you know playing every every night or every second night for the rest of the way. Um, so it should be good. Should be good. But uh, anyways, fellas, that's it for uh, for the hockey episode this week. Um, Kev, I'm going to give it over to you to give our shout out to our local establishment of the week. So hashtag support local, everybody. It's uh, again, like we say every week, it's very important to do and take it away, Kev. Well, yeah, it's like Kyle says every week, do your best to get out there and support local, go to your local Walmart, right? Order locally from Amazon, whatever you can do to support local businesses during this uh, pandemic. Uh, One of the uh, biggest uh, local uh, trends lately has been uh, donuts noticing there you know tim hortons is a great place to go and get an american owned slash brazilian owned donut that's truly canadian but a more accurate representation of the types of donuts we got out there there are many different donut companies right we've probably heard of Susie q's donuts they're great we love them mavericks donuts i'm just throwing shout outs here to every business i can think of Kyle. But the one I tried recently is brand new, and they really do appreciate when people come by and, and let them know how they found out about them. It's a small little donut truck called Le Donut Stop, which uh, that's Le Donut Stop. Canadian Tire on Ennis Road. They make a great bag of donuts. Fabulous bag of donuts. Uh, come in a couple of different flavors. They really appreciate the business. Um, they threw a couple extra donuts in, uh, in my bag when they saw me coming. And uh, <laughs> I wonder why. Really, really appreciated that gesture, to be honest. Uh, but it was fantastic. Um, nothing like a real fresh donut, especially those mini donuts. We probably remember from our carnival days before we got on a Ferris wheel and threw up in front of our friends. Shout <laughs> <laughs> out to last week's episode. Anyways, Kyle will put the contact information for the donut stop up on the website. Uh, lots of traffic this week. We'll check the uh, website counter later on, the ad tracker as well. Yeah. But the donut stop is my shout out by local. Um, don't visit your local Walmart. Fantastic. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, definitely got to go try that. We're all based out of the East End here, guys. So, uh, Jet, maybe uh, you can stop by and get some get some donuts for the kids, and I'll do the same. Um, for the kids, get... <laughs> <laughs> they ain't getting, they ain't getting nothing. They um, stuff. Um, <laughs> But anyways, yeah, I, I've heard some good things about them since uh, since Kev put them on my radar. So, uh, yeah, go out and support La Donut Stop. Um, all right, so as we wrap it up, just a final thought. And, again, everybody just keep plugging away at what you're doing. You know, keep in a good headspace. Reach out to friends and family that uh, that will keep your spirits up during all this. I know it feels like we're going in and out of lockdown and I know it feels like, you know, we're never going to get out of this, but just, uh, just keep plugging away, keep working on things that, uh, that make you happy and, you know, keep, uh, keep those ones around you close um, and make sure that you're checking in on everybody that, uh, that you care about. And uh, that's my thought for the week. And uh, on that note, please rate review and subscribe. Um, and uh, again, Pass on the podcast to anybody in your network that you think might uh, might enjoy the cut of our three jibs. Um, you know, obviously we, uh, as you can hear, we're having a lot of fun, and 
we uh, we definitely like to hear from uh, from everybody who comments on posts and photos and uh, you know guests that that we have on the show as well. So on that note, fellas, I will bid you a good night, and uh, we shall do this again same time, same place next week. Happy St. Patty's Day, Toodaloo. Happy St. Patty's Day, boys. Happy St. Patrick's Day, everyone. <laughs>